Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Fantasy Hot Read podcast, brought to you by FantasyHotRead.com. I'll be your host, Tyler Orjinski. Um Instead of Dominic today, we have uh, a new guest. Here we have Con- Conlin Postma. He is one of our new fantasy analysts at fantasyhotread.com. How's it going, Conlin? I'm doing well. How are you? Things are good, man. I'm ready to get this rolling. Um, before we get started, how'd you uh, get started in your fantasy career here? I actually got started in college. Uh, I started like a own little blog. I always had a passion for it. And then I did a senior thesis paper about injuries and suspensions, particularly in torn ACLs and how players and fantasy were impacted on the return that's awesome stuff man we're glad to have you over at the fantasy hot read so to introduce the podcast series here so this isn't going to be your typical podcast talking about the offseason this is going to be a series of eight podcasts where we're going to be going over each division in the nfl this is the first one and i'll have a different guest on for each one so today we're going to be going over the nfc west as part one of eight of the division series so when we're talking about the players here just to keep in mind we're talking about half ppr um, and we're getting our adp from fantasy football calculator and let's start off well before i get started the nfc west for those of you who might not know off the top of your head we're talking about the la rams we're talking about seattle seahawks we're talking about the 49ers and we're talking about the arizona cardinals Let's start start at the top. The LA Rams, they finished 13-3 in 2018. Let's start at the quarterback position. What's your take on Jared Goff here, Conlon? I'm actually a huge fan of Jared Goff this year. I think with Gurley's knee problems kind of being a concern for everybody, the Rams might rely on Jared Goff, trying to hope he makes that next step this year, as well as Cooper Cup coming back, too. We saw how well Woods and Brandon Cooks did, finishing both top 10. I mean, with Cup coming back, you can possibly have all three of them finish in the top five. So that really helps uh, Goff's potential, gives him a lot of upside this season. Yeah, I currently have Goff as my QB 11. I think ADP has him around QB 12 in the ninth round. So I'm, I'm right at ADP. He's definitely one of those guys that I'm targeting. Um, he's not in that top tier, but you know, as I look at, at the late round, sitting around 10, 11, if he falls around there, he, he does have that upside to finish in the top six. Um, and I like that you brought up the Cooper Cup fact because, you know, looking back at last season, it's not to many people's surprise at this point in time that at the beginning of the season, Goff was tearing it up with Cooper Cup. But then when Cooper Cup went down, it was like Jared Goff's season just kind of went straight down the tank. Like people thought they had their waiver wire pick of Jared Goff. He was going to take him through the playoffs. But then Cup goes down and it's like, you took, you know, almost like part of Goff's arm away when 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 Cup went down because he just, he just didn't finish as well. So I was looking at some of the splits, and I think in the seven games he had with Cup, Goff was a QB one in six of those games. And then if you look at the rest of the season, the nine after that without Cup, he was just a QB one three times. And you, you kind of like look at it, and then you look at the nine games without Cup, sixteen TD, TDs. Seven games with Cup, 16 TDs. So there seems to be a pretty big gap with Cup back. So it sounds like we're on the same page when we're thinking that Cup's going to make a big impact on golf season in 2019. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Cup might start off a little slow. I feel like everybody, mostly a lot of wide receivers and running backs, when they come off a torn ACL, they're a little slow to start in the first half of the season. So he should be able to pick it up fairly quickly. Nothing's really changed. There's no new weapons and gosh, just still look to him as his go-to guy. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I currently have Cup at wide receiver 18. Now, now that's assuming that we're going to get a clean bill of health moving up to the season. You know, if there seems to be some setbacks, I'll move him back. But I have Cup at 18, Cooks at 19, and Woods at 22. So, I mean, these are three top 24 wide receivers. All of them are going to be gone before the fifth round. Do you have a when looking at these wide receivers? We're seeing that, that we're seeing them come off the board. You know, within when looking at their ADP within I think five or six picks from each other as far as wide receivers goes. Do you have any preference for the three if you're looking at your draft? So for me, I have Robert Woods 17, Cooks is 18, that Cup 25. I would take Woods just because I know he gives me that consistent. He gives me that higher floor. Cooks gives me that higher ceiling with the potential like three catches, 125 touchdown kind of games. But Woods is for sure just a more consistent wide, wide receiver. So I would kind of go for him over the other two. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at Woods. I think he was he had scored at least 11 points in 14 of his 16 games. I mean, you can't really ask for much more of a floor than that. Um, and then Cooks, I think Cooks has been top five in yards per target since 2016. So, you know, we're on the same page. I'm pretty happy if I'm walking away with any of these Rams wide receivers as my wide receiver too. Yeah, I wouldn't even I wouldn't be mad if I went running back, running back, and I was able to get Woods and then possibly Cup with my wide receiver too. I mean, Woods is still a reliable low end wide receiver one, possibly a wide receiver, a high wide receiver two. So even that I'm be happy for. Awesome, man. Let's shift over to the running back position. It's been the talk of the town. You can't even log on Twitter without somebody mentioning Todd Gurley. You know, he's got the knee problem. We saw what happened towards the end of the season last year. He didn't exactly finish it in a very optimistic sense. You know, everything we've gotten in the offseason has really, you know, it's kind of been muddled, not really that positive. What's your take on Todd Gurley? Like, where are you looking at taking him? What do you think Todd Gurley's going to do in 2019? Right now, I would... I would probably take Gurley second round. He's my RB10. Uh, his knee is still an issue. You don't know when it's going to flare up or really what they're going to do to monitor it. They could possibly take away touches, give him maybe 18. I mean, last year he had he averaged 22.5 touches a game. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, you're not going to really see 22, 23 touches a game again this year. I would take him as a solid second round in some drafts in some mocks i'm able to get him third fourth round at this point wow yeah i think um you know i think we're all on the same page i also have have him as my rb10 i was looking at the adp today that hasn't come off the board at rb10 he he to me is just that ultimate risk reward running back right now we really don't know what we're gonna get but he's on a top flight offense are are we gonna like i think the one thing we do know for sure is that that we're gonna see some of the touches scaled back a little bit i think that's clear when the detroit lions tried to sign malcolm brown away and the rams uh, matched the offer and then they traded up to get daryl henderson it seems as though they want to scale him back a little bit but you know scaled back todd Gurley. todd Gurley is a a clear-cut running back one but then a scaled back todd Gurley, like you know we're, we're looking at the rb10 range so i think we're on the same page there Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're still going to use him at the goal line. No, I don't see Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown really taking away goal line touches from him. So he could still have fantasy value just based on having one or two carries in the red zone and on the goal line. So let's talk about Daryl Henderson for a little bit. He, he definitely has been the guy when people are lowering Gurley down their boards. Henderson seems to be moving up. At this point in time, I see him at 
RB33, coming off the board in the sixth round. I currently have him at RB39. I think the six is a little rich for me. Where do you fall on Daryl Henderson? Obviously, the opportunity is there, but what what are, what are we looking at here, Conlon? I I have him at in my RB50s. I'm not I'm not huge Daryl Henderson. I'm not going to reach for him in the sixth round. That's a little crazy. Sixth, seventh round, there's still a lot of value there still on the board. Uh, and plus, it's something to monitor. Malcolm Brown has been with the Rams for multiple years, and Daryl Henderson, he could come in and be the backup, but having taking uh, Malcolm Brown back from the Lions is something to keep an eye on because they clearly still want to use him. If they said, oh, no, we're good, just let Lions, then they wouldn't have re-signed him. Absolutely. And they chose to resign him. And then, you know, we've talked about running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks. There's a lot of fantasy goodness here on the Rams. But, you know, looking at the tight end situation on the Rams, I don't have Gerald Everett or Higby in my top 24. It's kind of a pretty big fade for me. Same. Uh, they, unless something happens with Cooks, Cup, Woods, something, you're looking at maybe at best a fifth or sixth receiving option. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do like Gerald Everett maybe as like a late play in some best ball leagues. I, I did take a look at some of the numbers. And if you combined Higby and Everett as to like one super tight end, you know, that would have finished last year around the tight end nine. So, you yeah. know, if Higby does go down for some reason, I definitely think there's some reason to start drafting Everett late. But, you know, as it sits now, the tight end position on the Rams is going to be an avoid. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, great. Let's move along. Let's move along to the Seattle Seahawks. 10 and 6 in 2018. At the quarterback position, we got Russell Wilson. What do we think about Russell Wilson this year? He is my QB8 this year. Uh, they scaled back the passing attempts, which I'm not a fan of. And sometimes he's rushing, which to me is a huge mistake. He makes a living out of the pocket and off rushing attempts that keeps the defenses on their feet. And that really limits his ceiling as to what you're really going to get from him. And with Doug Baldwin now out, you kind of have a void for his wide receiver one. I know Tyler Lockett's still there, but Doug Baldwin actually saw more targets than Tyler Lockett did last year. Yeah, I have Russell Wilson at QB 12 just because I feel like when I ran my projections, I think I had him lower, like QB 16 or 17, but I just that felt a little bit disrespectful. So in my ranks, I had him move him up to QB 12. I think his ADP right now is around QB 10. You can get him in the eighth round. The one thing that really sticks out to me, as you mentioned, it is that Schottenheimer's there. He's calling the plays. They seem to be on a run, run first approach. I think the Seahawks. They ran the ball the second most last year, and I don't really see that changing. And Russell Wilson had an 8.2 TD percentage, TD rate last year, which is not sustainable. I mean, the league average is around four and a half. Like Tom Brady's career is 5.5. So, I mean, I expect that 8% to go down a little bit, hence why I have him around the QB 12 range. But, you know, Russell Wilson is a, is a magician. I feel like he's just got yeah. that it factor. He's got that X factor. He, he does things on the field that, frankly, no other quarterback does. So, you know, if you can get him around that 9-10 round range, I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be upset if he was my QB 1 this year. All right, let's move along to the running backs. There's a, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, cloudiness going on here. You know, Chris Carson really took the lead last year with Rashad Penny. Even though he's drafted in the first round, you know, I feel like, you know, Pete Carroll sometimes looks at draft capital and just throws it out the window. But, I mean, Rashad Penny definitely had an injury, which didn't help. Apparently he put on some weight, which didn't help. So Carson really ran away with the starting job. What's your take on this uh, cloudy Seattle Seahawks backfield this year? Right now, for me, I would take – 
I would take Rashad Penny. There is a thirty a thirty spot difference. So where you can get Carson in the fourth, you can get Penny in the seventh. Mm-hmm. With Chris Carson's knee injury, probably he's had multiple surgeries, and even this offseason, he is still recovering from an operation, and it's something to keep an eye on because it has been a persistent injury. But with the offensive scheme, they both have the capability to rush over 1,000 yards. You look at Chris Carson, he ran over 1,000 yards. I think if Rashad Penny gets the same amount as of carries that Carson did last year, he can as well run for over 1,000 yards. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with his amount of you know rushing ability is there. I currently have Carson at 20. His, his ADP is 24, so I have about four spots above ADP. But I, I personally, I have Penny down around the high 40s, and his, and his ADP is around 32. So I'm a little bit lower than consensus. I, you know, I think Penny has the ability. I just think they're going to run Chris Carson out here. Just to give you a couple little tidbits that I got here. Chris Carson finished the season last year with 247 attempts, um, 1,151 yards, six TDs on the ground. Um, those 247 attempts were good enough for seventh most overall, right? But then yep. we're going to take a peek at, um, you know, some vacated touches. Mike Davis last year ended up, in my opinion, taking Rashad Penny's role. Mike Davis had 112 rushing attempts, 42 targets. And I, you know, I don't, I expect Penny to absorb, you know, the majority of that because let's just say Mike Pe- uh, Rashad Penny moves into the Mike Davis role. I still think there's some room here for Rashad Penny to, I mean, excuse me, Chris Carson to finish within the top 15. I mean, he finished RB 14 last year and he didn't, he only played 14 games. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the Chris Carson side of things. I'm consistently getting him around the fifth round, sometimes as my RB three, but I will say I do feel a lot better when I get them both locked in my roster. Yeah, I would, I would probably be more comfortable if I can get both of them because you know that one of them is going to get the hot hand. One of them is going to finish as that RB two. Yeah. And you're, you're paying, I guess you're not really paying a lot. Like you're paying like a, a fourth and a sixth round pick for two running backs, which I think in most cases wouldn't be something that I would do. But if you're just looking at like the pure amount of rushing volume and the fact that Russell Wilson doesn't seem to be getting that Russian volume, then it might be worth the investment, even though it might be a little bit different than a strategy I normally employ. Yeah. But moving oh. on. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, would you rather, I mean, do you think that Rashad Penny is going to take over that Mike Davis role and going to see 40-plus targets this year? Um, let me take a peek at my projections because I think that's a pretty great question because i got to see what I was going to go with. So I currently have Rashad Penny at about 35 targets and okay. 133 rushes. So it, he's taken over that role that we're talking about plus a little bit more, So at least from the rushing perspective. So I, I kind of have Rashad Penny in that Mike Davis role and Chris Carson staying pretty consistent. Um, let's move on to wide receivers. Doug Baldwin's gone. That's going to move Tyler Lockett into the top dog role. My big question for you, Conlon, is can he handle it? I, uh, the problem is the lack of targets. I mean, he has a potential. His touchdown to target ratio last year was crazy. He had 70 targets and had 10 touchdowns. There's yeah, that's crazy. no way that's that's 14 percent. That's that's a 14 percent TD rate, which yeah. is I think if I'm if I'm looking at uh, the league average for TD rate, I mean, we're looking at around like 4 uh, percent. So 10 percent higher than the league average. Yeah, that's that's going to be basically unattainable again this year. But he still has that high ceiling. He can be a solid wide receiver too this year. 
But with David Moore, uh, Jerron Brown, DK Metcalf, Will Disley coming back, multiple, multiple just other mouths to feed, there's going to be a lack of targets, I feel, though, because of the running, the run heaviness of the Seattle offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the thing is, is the last four years, it's, it's really interesting to me, is Lockett's been in the league four years, and all four years he's either had between 66 and 71 targets. So it appears there's a role carved out there. But then you have a whole other camp that is saying that, you know, Baldwin's gone. Now, you know, Lockett is going to be this guy that's going to absorb those targets. You know, I, I initially was looking at things and statting things out, and I had um, Tyler Lockett, I believe, getting... Uh, forgive me real quick, but I had him getting around 100 targets, which is a 30-target bump, which is substantial, but yeah. it's also not possible. But, I mean, I'm sorry, it is possible that he gets a 30-target bump. But that 30-target bump would still put him around that wide receiver 17, wide receiver 18 range, even if that TD rate drops from 14 all the way down to, let's say, 6. So I, I still like Tyler Lockett as a mid-range uh, wide receiver too, but I feel like there are going to be some weeks when he burns you. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the type of player in the play style that he has, though, is that running gun, home run kind of Deshaun Jackson. There's going to be weeks where you get four catches, 100-plus yards, a couple touchdowns, and you're going to get three catches for 27 yards and nothing. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, well, I will say I've been a big fan of Tyler Lockett since his time, I believe, at Kansas State. And, you know, I think he pairs well with – Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson creates space. Like he's running around. He's he's throwing people off. And I think that Lockett gels well. When I say that Russell Wilson has like that X factor, I think Lockett really has that X factor as well to be able to find mm-hmm. open space. And he like there's some plays that happen when Russell Wilson's just running all over the backfield. And he- just chucks it up and like Lockett is just wide open and if you watch it he's just like roast in the secondary so you know I think there is something to be said you know I, I, do I want him as my like rock solid wide receiver too I think when we look when we talked about Robert Woods I think him and Robert Woods could easily finish right around each other but have completely different looking weeks yeah I I would say that Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks are kind of more yep. of a similar yep. just because uh both again that home run kind of play style Cool, and then let's let's move on a little bit further down the wide receiver list. Now, I want to tell you how I kind of have, have things a little bit different here. So, DK Metcalf is currently has ADP of wide receiver 42 in the ninth round. So, the ADP is telling me that DK Metcalf is going to be the wide receiver too. I actually have David Moore ranked as my wide receiver 42 and Metcalf outside of my top 60. So, while ADP and the general public seems to be putting Metcalf in that wide receiver two role, I think it's going to be David Moore and David. Even more is actually turning out to be one of my highest owned best ball picks because you're getting him pretty much in the last couple rounds. And I think he's going to have some opportunity to really turn in, you know, a solid wide receiver four season with some big booms, boom weeks. My, so I'm actually on the flip side, my rankings, I have DK as my wide receiver 44. And then I have David Moore outside the 60s. Nice. Nice. So talk to me about what is it about DK Metcalf that you like so much? I mean, we can get into the, the ins and outs about it, but, but let's just talk about why do you have him as the number two wide receiver on the Seahawks? I have him just based on purely size. I mean, mm-hmm. they don't have a go-to up. They don't have a go-to kind of uh, wide receiver or really tight end running back. They're going to use Chris Carson obviously on the goal line, but mm-hmm. they're not going to throw Tyler Lockett that goal line fade. 
-hmm. when you look back, uh, I believe two or three years ago when they had Jimmy Graham, I think DK can kind of have that similar role where he's used primarily on the goal line. And when I was doing my projections in the beginning, I had him actually for 10 touchdowns. I know that's a little optimistic, but just given his size, he's just a bigger body for a linebacker or for even a safety or corner to really cover him. Yeah, you know, to get into the the details about DK Metcalf, like I think there's no question that he's a physical freak. Um, The guy's an absolute stud athlete, huge wide receiver. You know, there are some, you know, there's clearly some concerns with his, you know, quickness and side-to-side speed. I mean, not to hate on him too much, but I think that Tom Brady had a better three-cone drill than (laughs) DK Metcalf. Um, Not to say that DK Metcalf can't be successful, but I just think that was a funny little tidbit. But, you know, I I think it it might take DK Metcalf to – a couple years to figure it out to really, you know, fall into that role. You know, DK Metcalf mm-hmm. might have a couple boom weeks, but, you know, I'm liking David Moore to really break out as that wide receiver too. Not break out in a sense that you're going to be starting him every single week in your wide receiver slot, but I think he might return some flex value as you, as you will be saying that DK Metcalf will also return some flex value. So, you know, you and I have a little bit of disagreement here, but I think that that's part of what goes in. We got to see how camp goes and what goes on in the preseason. Yep, and that's the exciting time for NFL right now, all these camp battles kind of figuring out the landscape of everything. Absolutely. So let's move on to the tight end position. Um, We have Will Disley. I believe he had a torn patella tendon in his knee, which is honestly probably one of the most horrific injuries you can have as a football player. And then you have Nick Vanette. Um, You know, Disley flashed a little bit last year before the injury, but I have them both outside my top 24 and don't really have much interest in either one of them except for maybe late in best ball. What about you? Same. Uh, both outside my top 20, I really wouldn't touch any of them unless you see that one is starting over the other and they're getting a consistent fantasy week production. But like you said, I'm more targeting them in my best ball leagues. Absolutely. So let's move along to the San Francisco 49ers. Had a pretty horrendous 2018, finishing 4-12. and 12. You know, I think a lot of that can be chalked up to the QB injuries and everything that was going on there. I personally am a huge fan of Kyle Shanahan, not necessarily as a head coach, but as an offensive play caller. You know, Jimmy G was going off the boards around QB 10 last year, but... You know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of expectations for him. I have him around QB 18 this year. That's where he is at ADP. What's your take on Jimmy G in 2019? I have him as my QB 18 as well. Uh, I like him just because, like you said, Kyle Shanahan has been basically a magician when it comes to play calling in what he does for quarterbacks. He, He made Matt Ryan into an MVP. And I'm not saying that Jimmy G and Matt Ryan are on the same level, but they can for sure give you kind of that same production. Absolutely. And the thing is, they brought in so many weapons this Mm offseason. And you have a lot of people that at the beginning of the year, you had Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin. George Kittle wasn't the George Kittle that we know. Jarek McKinnon was gone. You had, you didn't, and Dante Pettis was an unknown rookie. So, Mm -hmm. With the second year kind of getting everything, a lot of bigger names, everybody's healthy. I like Jimmy G to be a possible sleeper this year, and he oh, yep. could sneak into top 12, top 10 range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. I, I think just because of Kyle Shanahan, there's a decent amount of upside on the 49ers offense. Not necessarily. There's other late-round quarterbacks that I'm 
going to be focusing on besides Jimmy G. But if I'm in like a super flex league or two quarterback league, like my second quarterback being Jimmy G, I'm pretty excited about that. A little uh, pretty cool tidbit I actually heard that, um, you know, really kind of had me optimistic about things is if you looked at last year's full game 16 season and you combine Jimmy G's numbers, Nick Mullins' numbers and CJ Beathard's numbers, that was QB 12. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And that's with barely any weapons. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the upsides there, you know, Jimmy G, the couple games he started in 2018 didn't look great. But like I said, you know, there's there's worse late round quarterbacks. I'm just not going to get too excited about it right now. And another thing that I think is really cool about Kyle Shanahan, if you look at his last three years, he's in the top 10 in passing in a neutral game script. So for those folks listening that might not be familiar with that is when the game's pretty close, he's going to be throwing the ball still. So that's going to be real favorable for Jimmy G. So there is some upside there. I'm not crazy about Jimmy G, but you know, I think you could do a lot worse. And moving on to the running back position, you know, this, this is one of the most, I think, confusing pieces in fantasy football to nail down because there's undoubtedly value in a Kyle Shanahan uh, running back room. You know, this backfield um, underperformed last year from a touchdown standpoint, like that should, that should, you know, come back towards the mean, but we don't really know where to look. We got, they signed Tevin Coleman. They signed Jarek McKinnon last year to a big deal, but he tore the ACL. You got Breida who, you know, battled injuries, but was pretty efficient last year. Like, he definitely had some impressive plays last year. What are you doing with the running backs on the 49ers? For me, I I would take Tevin Coleman. Uh, just given what I know, as he was a full-time starter, basically, last year for the Atlanta Falcons when Devontae Freeman went down, Jarek McKinnon is coming back for from that torn ACL, like you said. So his role might be more of a third down pass catching back. That's what he was used primarily in Minnesota. And then Matt Breida is really the wild card that can shake everything up. He mm-hmm. did play, he did play injured, basically injured all last season. It seemed like every game he was on the injury report, yep. but he was a 49ers leading back with over 850 rushing yards. I, I think just Tevin Coleman right now, with McKinnon and Brita both battling injuries and trying to slowly work their way back into the offense, Tevin Coleman is a safer pick. Yeah, I currently have Tevin Coleman at RB28. His ADP is 30. He's going in the sixth round. You know, I have him there. So I, I, I think to myself, like, would I take him in the sixth round? I think I'm comfortable with him as more of an RB3. Um, but, like, there's just too many pieces that need to fall before I feel, feel really comfortable with that. And then I got Jerk McKinnon at 43. And I got Breida at 46. So like, I, I clearly have some hope in all of them, but it's a little too convoluted for me right now. And I, I'm definitely going to have to see some things between now and the end of August before I start feeling comfortable about the running backs there. To the wide receivers. Um, I got to tell you, I'm pretty big on Dante Pettis. I currently have him at wide receiver 25. His ADP is wide receiver 30. So five spots above uh, ADP. The thing I like him most about is he didn't really see a ton of action last year. But he started in week 12. While it's a small sample size from weeks 12 to, let's say, 16, he was a wide receiver one during that time. A legitimate top 12 wide receiver catching balls for a third-string quarterback in Nick Mullins. You know, I don't necessarily expect him to be top 12 next year. I, I truly do not. That's not what I'm saying. But with the release of Pierre Garçon, you know, Debo Samuel exists, but he's still going to be a rookie 
you got you got Goodwin. He's more of a one-trick pony. You know, I think he's a solid, uh, underrated route runner, and he finished the season with 113.8 passer rating when targeted. And now he gets Jimmy Garoppolo back, who, like we said, we're not sure on, but he's probably still better than Nick Mullins. So I am pretty confident um, in picking Dante Pettis right now in the seventh round and, and putting him out there as my wide receiver three. Yeah, same. I'm actually higher than you. I have him at All my right. wide receiver 23. I love that. I love that. We're on the same page here. Dante Pettis, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about him. Yeah, like you said, he is a very underrated wide receiver. He is a great he's a great wide receiver three option this year. And actually from week ten to sixteen, so the back half, Mm -hmm. he averaged six targets per game. And if you put that out for a whole season, that's ninety six targets. So and he I don't see Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. The only real competition for him for targets is Kittle. So he is that pure wide receiver one. And if I can get a wide receiver one, a team's wide receiver one, as my wide receiver three, sign me up all day. Yeah, I mean, we're we're on the same page here. Like, I I honestly have Dante Pettis at 128 targets, 78 receptions, 973 yards, and five touchdowns. So... I mean, I'm, we're on the Dante Pettis train. Let, oh, yeah. let's, let's ride this thing all the way around. <laughs> he, it's clear he's second to Kittle. That, that, that I don't think either one of us is going to argue. No. But I, I think that might even help him a little bit because teams are going to have to walk in and being like, we got to stop George Kittle. And that's going to leave a technician um, in Dante Pettis, you know, maybe in some one-on-one situation. So we're liking Dante Pettis, folks. You heard it here first. He's going to be a top 20. He's going to be a top 28 wide receiver, top 25 wide receiver this year. Um, I know we're on the same page with Pettis, but you know, is there any value with Samuel or Goodwin for you? Are you looking at either one of them? Uh, Samuel and Goodwin are more best ball and dynasty plays mm-hmm. until you kind of figure out what their role is going to be in the offense. I would wait and kind of see uh, what their ADP is. Maybe if you have a larger bench, mm-hmm. you could possibly get them as a bi-week fill-in wide receiver, but nothing really for redraft. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I've been, I personally think that Goodwin's going to start over Debo Samuel in, uh, you know, 2019 season because yeah. of that. I've been targeting Goodwin like in the last couple rounds because I'll tell you right now, I, I would bet anything that there's going to be three weeks next year when Goodwin has like three catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. That's going to yep. happen. That's going to oh, happen. Yeah. You know, he, he definitely is going to, he's not going to play the full season. He's going to have a lot of duds, but he's just, you know, a speed guy. There's few players in the NFL that are faster than him. So I think as a best ball pick, you can look a good win late. You know, Debo Samuel to me is a hard fade. I know the dynasty community is, uh, you know, in love with the guy, but you know, in redraft in 2019, it's just, it's just not for me. Same. Let's move on to George Kittle. Um, I currently have him as my tight end two. He's currently ADP of the third tight end right now. Ertz is going ahead of him, but I personally expect that to change. I mean, Kittle is an absolute beast. I think he set the NFL record last year for yards after the catch, and he has more receiving yards after contact last year than any player in the NFL. And I'm talking like Christian McCaffrey, all running backs. He had more receiving. He had more receiving yards after the catch. So. Wow. The guy is an absolute monster. Not, not, not to mention. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. The dude's like benching like 380 pounds or something like that. But yeah, 
he's an absolute he's he's a smash play for me i you know do i expect him to set records again you know not necessarily i think there's gonna be you know like we said with pettis kind of breaking out a little bit a couple out extra added weapons you know kittle's not gonna be breaking records but you know i look for me personally like kelsey's on a tier by himself and and kittle is on a tier two by himself i currently actually have Ertz below kittle and starting off the third tier wow okay Mm-hmm. I mean, I, for me, Kittle right now, he's my tight end three. Okay. I'm doing a regression article that should be coming out either this week or the following week. Okay. And he, he's going to regress. I'm going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. He had 136 targets last year. Tyler, let me, do you know who saw the <laughs> second most targets on the 49ers in 2018? Um, if I had to take it, who had the second most targets? Because it wasn't Pettis. I mean, nope. Breed, Matt Breida? Nope. It was Kendrick Bourne. Ugh, Kendrick he had Bourne. 66 targets. So, George Kittle had double the amount of targets that Kendrick Bourne, who was number two, mm-hmm. had in the gotcha. whole season. Gotcha. So, it's just kind of hard for me to see him get 136 targets again and produce. There were weeks that he was just going off. So, but with him and Ertz, it's clearly Kelsey Bounsell. I have Ertz and Kittle. And then after that, you have O.J. Howard and uh, Evan Engram, Hunter Henry, everybody else. Kittle's going to be one of the studs. I think it sounds to me like, for me personally, it's like if I'm not getting Kelsey, if I'm not getting Kittle, I'm probably just going to wait on some tight ends. Maybe Ertz yeah. around like end of round three. But, you know, Kittle, Kittle's a stud. Arizona Cardinals finished last year. A three and thirteen, a tough year to be an Arizona Cardinal fan, but it seems to be that there is a lot of reason to be optimistic if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan. They've cleaned house, hired Cliff Kingsbury, who is you know an offensive mastermind at least at the collegiate level. So let's start, and then they start off with a first pick overall of Kyler Murray, who you know in college was an absolute stud. So. You know, not only what do you expect from Kyler Murray, but what do you expect from the Arizona Cardinals this year? Because for me, it's, it seems to be like quite a range of possibilities. So for me to start off, I have Kyler Murray as my QB 12, which I think is a fair range to kind of have him in. But for the Cardinals themselves, I think they're going to put a lot of people on upset alert. They're gonna, it's going to be shootouts. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be Rams, Chiefs, that high-scoring offense, but they will be towards that 14, kind of that upper average uh, Mm -hmm. scoring team. I think as a whole, Kyler Murray is a very big question mark to have by himself. I would take Dak Prescott maybe as a backup, just because you know that Dak has that rushing floor consistency, six touchdowns. And Mm -hmm. the offensive line is just a train wreck. They yeah, did. it's not good. They added some pieces, but if they're not able to hold Aaron Donald to more than one second, Kyler Murray is going to be in trouble all season long. Yeah, there's definitely some concern from the offensive line. Um, I, I currently, I'm a little higher on Kyler Murray. I have him around QB9, but the issue for me is that his ADP is at QB8 in the seventh round. Like, at this point in time, Kyler Murray is outpriced himself for me. Like, I liked him as a later pick. At some point in time, you could get him in 11th or 12th, but I'm not paying QB8 price in the seventh no. round for a rookie um, quarterback. So, I mean, I think that one of the reasons I really like him is obviously his rushing upside. 
He was an absolute prolific runner in college. And this is usually an area that traditionally translates pretty well to the NFL. Obviously, there's a little more risk of injury, but still, if you're rushing, you're going to be scoring a lot of points in fantasy football. And he is, you know, even if he rushes for, say, 500 yards and is an average passer, he's still going to return some fantasy value. But, you know, he's definitely not an average passer. I think he's extremely dangerous outside the pocket, has great arm strength, has shown to be very accurate, especially on the run. I think that lends itself well to maybe an offensive line that isn't as good. You know, there's a lot of question marks, but, you know, I'm not paying up to get Kyler Murray on my team. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, I wouldn't be shocked if he had over 30 to 35 touchdowns total and then yeah total yep and then over 4,000 to 4,500 4,200 uh total yards as well give about 30 3,700 passing and then 500 rushing that's a solid fantasy starter but the question is his durability and can that offensive line hold up to protect him Absolutely. I think, you know, we're on the same page. I mean, my projections had him at 500 rushing yards, five rushing TDs, 4,000 passing yards, 23 passing touchdowns. So a little lower in that t- that, on that touchdown range, but the passing and the rushing were on the same page. It's mm-hmm. it's just a question mark, and, you know, it's a late-round guy a minute, but not I'm not paying up for the guy. Let's move right along to the running back position. You know, I think there's – at first it seemed, you know, starting off in, let's say, April, March, you know, David Johnson, to me, was being incredibly undervalued. He showed us in 2016 that he is he has the upside to be the number one overall. You know, he had a freak injury in 2017 with a wrist injury. You know, it's not something that, you know, is going to linger too much. And then in 2018, he was on uh, like this team here it ran the second fewest plays i've never maybe not never that might be a bit much but he was grossly misused like currently running straight up the middle barely going out for any real passes and he still finished rb10 last year so in my opinion we saw david johnson's floor last year at rb10 what are you thinking about david johnson this year i am a huge david johnson fan this year i think if you have that fifth pick overall take him. Don't take Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon right now is a huge question mark. He might hold out, pull that Le'Veon Bell. You don't want that. You last year, David Johnson was just a wash year for him. Really, mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't use him like you said. Didn't even put him out wide into the slot. Didn't barely threw to him. Nothing this year. I think is going to be a David Johnson of old that twenty. 16 2017 David Johnson when he basically should have been the MVP when he yeah. scored 20 total touchdowns that's he's a or 1600 total yards and then 13 touchdowns so the thing about David Johnson for me is you know I'll tell you a secret when I had him the projections he came out to me as running back three you know, I, I've lowered him to five really? in my ranks just to, you know, st- you know, there's definitely going to be a little bit of craziness when I say, oh, he's going to be RB3. You know, with, you know, that, w- that was with my projections being a little bit optimistic with the offense. So I lowered him to five, but I'm with you. If I got the fifth pick, I'm taking David Johnson and I'm not looking back. You're going to yeah. get yourself at worst a low end RB1, but he has the upside to finish as um you know the rb1 overall so you know he's a smash pick for me at five and you know anytime i had the fifth pick in the best ball i've been just picking up david johnson lately because it's hard for me to stay away so we're on the same page there let's uh, move along to the wide receivers here so 
there's a, you know, it's a couple um, pieces here that are interesting to me. There seems to be a little bit of divide between Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Who's going to be the number one guy this year? What's your take on the wide receivers in Arizona? I first off, I don't want any part of Christian Kirk. I don't, I don't get the Christian Kirk hype really. Last season, he only saw 68 targets, mm-hmm. and Fitz saw 112. Fitz had 69 catches on the season. Okay, I think Christian Kirk catch. went down in week 13, though. So I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, but still, I mean, 68 targets throughout the season. Yeah, I know it's – I think it's more of his play style being that boomer bust, like mm-hmm. uh, Marquise Goodwin. But having Fitz, having Fitz be at 112, that's his second lowest targets uh, ever. That. He's never seen less than 100 targets in a season. And for me, I have Larry Fitzgerald as wide receiver 31. Just mm-hmm. his durability. Um, he's never played fewer than 13 games. And possibly with Kyler Murray being out of pocket and Fitzgerald being in the slot, it can just be a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. So you have that safe floor with Larry Fitzgerald, but Christian Kirk does give you that higher ceiling. Yeah, so I mean, you know, get it out of the way here. Larry Fitzgerald, one of the best wide receivers ever played. I think he's got a, you know, solid chance at being, you know, finishing within the top, let's say like 30, 35 wide receivers. But I don't Mm -hmm. really think he's going to deliver much of a ceiling at his age. You know, maybe he will. I, I currently have him at wide receiver 32. And his ADP is 38. So I'm a bit higher on Larry Fitzgerald than most. But I think that more so has to do with um, my optimism around the Cardinals offense and generally drafting for upside. You know, I I think the ADP of Christian Kirk is 33. I currently have Christian Kirk at 28. So we're going to be disagreeing on this one. You know, he was wide receiver 38 last year between weeks one and 13. And that was on that terrible offense. So I personally see a world where he finishes as a low-end wide receiver three. You know, I put him – honestly, I put him in the same bucket in in that Dante Pettis role. I mean, I'm a little below – a little bit below Dante Pettis. But, Mm -hmm. you know, from what I saw last year, I'm really impressed with some of the stuff he put out there. And I think he has the ability to overtake Larry Fitz as the number one in um, Arizona. But I also don't know if I trust him week to week to deliver solid numbers. Yeah, same. I just that wide receiver three, I kind of want of a more consistent role. If I take Larry Fitzgerald, if I take Dante Pence, I kind of know what I'm getting week to week, but I don't get the same consistent put from a wide receiver like Christian Kirk. I understand. That completely makes sense. We'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot of question marks around this offense, so I think a lot of these questions will be answered, um, you know, halfway through the season and see how good they are. And then moving to tight ends. First of all, Cliff Kingsbury never really used tight ends in the first place. Second off, there really isn't anybody that excites me. <laughs> I know Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, I think he's a good athlete, but I'm not into it. I think Charles Clay, you know, I think his days have passed him. And I think he actually started the, you know, the, the, the camp here in the PUP. Max Williams, I believe they signed. He was on the Ravens. He's more of a blocker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'm i not really finding much um, value in the tight end position on the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I feel as though Ricky Seal Jones might be the starting tight end just because he's been with Arizona for a while. I know Cliff Kingsbury is a new head coach and it's kind of a clean slate, but he is the bigger body 
Max Williams has been in the league for multiple years, hasn't really done much. And Charles Clay was hurt for most of the season. Like you said, he's starting off with the PP. Um, they're really best suited for best ball. We fill in if necessary. Yeah, and then uh, I'm, there's going to be some people that are offended that I just skimmed over Andy Isabella here. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, like, there's Andy Isabella. Keem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, they they took some wide receivers. They took three wide receivers in the draft this year. You know, but you know, I'm I don't want any part of them in redraft. Let's just put it that way. I think they're fine. There's a couple of them are fine dynasty targets, but you know, I just wanted to check in and make sure that you weren't offended that I had passed over Andy Isabella here, the the UMass standout. No, it's completely (laughs) fine. I mean, he went to UMass. I'm from Mass. It's all good, but that offense is going to be mainly three and four wide receiver sets. So there could be some fantasy value, but they're really best suited for Dynasty League. With Fitzgerald kind of heading on the way out, you could possibly see Andy Isabella step in as that slot receiver next year. Absolutely. It's definitely a possibility. I think, you know, that that does it. We've gone over the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Cardinals. Is, is there any uh, any players that we skimmed over? Anybody want to go back to? Anything you missed out there? No, I mean, we really touched on everybody. Um, I it's just going to be a little interesting to see with all the training camp battles like Coleman, McKinnon, Brita, and David Moore, and DK, and see who's going to be the backup be behind Todd Gurley. Is it going to be Brown or is it going to be Henderson? So it's really just something to keep an eye on all offseason. Absolutely. So I don't got anything else to add. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, Conlon, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at Conlin FF. It's C O N L I N F F. All right. Don't forget to follow him, folks. And we'll have fresh content coming at you at fantasyhotry.com as we get closer to the season. It's already the end of July. So make sure you come to the website. We're having more articles come up as we get, get a lot closer. So make sure to check it out. And of course, you can find me, Tyler, at FF Tyler O on Twitter. That's all, folks. Don't forget to tell somebody you love them. Later. Like the pine trees lining the winding road I've got a name I've got a name Like a singing bird in the croaking toad I've got a name I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream that he kept here Roping me down the highway 